By the way, my name is Aaron. Um, if you haven't seen me for a while, you say, who's that handsome guy on stage? Well, that was Zach. Uh, but <laughs> I'm a, a lead pastor here. We were gone for 10 weeks on a sabbatical, and thank you so much for that wonderful gift. It is wonderful to be home. We'll be talking a little about uh, what I gained uh, from that time and uh, uh, some unexpected lessons, unexpected length sanctuary that I had uh, uh, discovered whilst I was there. Uh, and so, uh, be good. Before we get into it, though, I want to get to our, our memory verse, which happens to deal with rest. And this is the word from Jesus, from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Anybody here wearied and burdened? Yes, the end of summer here in Estes. I know I'm the last person you want to see. I come back refreshed, and you're all like, Oh, we just ran the marathon. If you need rest... If you're weary and burdened, we're going to talk today about how God can give it. And I know throughout our lives, oftentimes we get so caught up in the busyness of life that we just uh, we forget that we have a refuge. We have a sanctuary, a place, a God who wants to refresh us. So I encourage you this week to set that to memory, because I know you didn't memorize it. You, you have it soft in there. We got you started. But in your bulletins, there's that little memory verse card. You want to take that out, put it in your pocket, your wallet, Tape it to the back of your phone. Uh, because uh, our God doesn't want us to face this world alone, right? And exhausted. And so he invites us into that wonderful rest. We're going to talk about that today. I, um, I titled this Unexpected Sanctuary. And really that came from, I, I, was, I was really struggling. Uh, you know, you, you sent me away for 10 weeks. And I'm, I'm really hoping God's going to give me a great epiphany and a wonderful message for you all. And up to last week, I was, I was home and I was like, oh, I, I don't even know what to say right? One, I'm out of practice, but that also, uh, what is it that God has wanted me to, to help you with? And um, my wife directed me to a, a great uh, a message from, uh, it was a chapel service from one of my old uh, Bible college professors named Chris DeWolt, and uh, he talked about uh, some of these things, and some of the stuff that he talked about in his message really rang true and helped kind of give me some uh, real clarity on how to, to bring this forth. So I want to say thanks to Chris and my wife for that, but also in it, um, in meditating over through and thinking back through the last 10 weeks, I discovered that God really did refresh us. And it wasn't just, it just didn't happen like in this magical poof kind of way. Uh, he gave me, he gives all of us, at least three amazing but very unexpected sanctuaries to go and recharge. And so as I come back, I want to bring these to you. And so uh, the first sanctuary I'm going to talk about was unexpected for me. It was the sanctuary of sleep. And um, I, don't, I don't like sleep. I know some of you do, but I don't like it. It really irritates me. I, you ever wondered why we have to sleep? I mean, we're made in the image of God, right? God doesn't sleep. Why did he make us have to sleep? Why did he design us in such a way that we spend a third of our life unconscious? You ever wondered that? Because it drives me nuts. I heard that giraffes, they only sleep 30 minutes for, uh, 20 minutes for every eight hours. That's an hour a day. Wouldn't you like to be a giraffe? right? I could do an extra job. I could do all kinds of stuff, right? You wouldn't have to. I hate it when my body wears out at the end of the night, and I'm like, I'm forced to, to admit that I have to rest. It's unproductive. It feels like a waste, but you have to do it. And I realized that in my time, when I went over to, um, when we, when we uh, finally went on to a sabbatical, uh, the Lord blessed me with a sickness, all right, I got, I got really sick, a chest cold. And um, 
See, I had all these plans for my sabbatical. I was like, you know, I'm going to go there and I'm going to do all these things and I'm not going to miss a minute of it and all that kind of stuff. And, and the very first thing that happened to me is it said, you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to stay in bed. You're going to sleep. And I sl- you talked to Amy and Thomas. I slept. And they did too. And it was amazing what God did in that time of, of learning about the blessing of sleep. Because I don't know about you, but I wouldn't sleep if I didn't have to. One of the things I'm looking forward to heaven, it says there's no night, so, right? You don't have to say goodbye unless you really want to, right? You could just go, but, but we have to sleep here. And I learned that there was, there's a purpose in that. If you don't sleep here, obviously your body breaks down. Uh, eventually your mind will break down. You don't make good decisions. They say that uh, s- driving sleepy is far worse than even driving under the influence of alcohol or drugs. I mean, it's a bad thing. And yet, uh, and yet we, we continually push that envelope. And in fact, I remember when I was in college, I used to set my, uh, I had an alarm, and I would set it for like when I was going to have to go to bed and when I have to wake up, because I'm the football team, so you had a, um, they had these parameters you had to live in, but I would try to push the envelope of how much I could stay awake, how little sleep I could get, so I would back it up by like a minute or two minutes every night until I found where I could, because I wanted to be able to cram as much of, you're all looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> Am I the only one that doesn't want to sleep? Uh, right? But sleep is, is a powerful, wonderful thing. What I discovered on my, on my uh, sabbatical, there's, there's a passage here at the beginning of, of the Bible, Genesis 1-5, and the story of creation, and it says this, God called the light day, and he called the darkness night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And I discovered that there is this, uh, there's this rhythm that God built into creation. And then, you know, later on it says in this that he formed us out of this creation. He actually took the, the very clay of this world and formed a man out of it and breathed life into it. And later on, he puts that man to sleep and out of Adam's rib he forms Eve. We are tied to this creation. We are part of it. And granted, there's a new creation that's coming and he's making us part of that, but we are part of this world. There's a rhythm that God designed for this creation to work within and we are part of that. And when we work against that rhythm, we end up working against our very design, and it hurts us. And I like to work against that design. But there was a rhythm that God designed into this, and I needed to see it. But there's something else in this, this verse I found that was interesting that I really hadn't thought about uh, before, but it's this. It says there was evening, and then there was morning, the first day. How many of us think about starting our day in the evening? That's just not how we do it in our culture, right? And, and in our culture, what we do is we start, our morning starts with an alarm clock that just like rips the pre-dawn hours, right? Right? And our day continues until we finally turn off, you know, our cell phone or an electric light somewhere way past evening, right? And then our night is those few hours that somehow we, we scrape together at either end of our day. So what I discovered is that our day is really all about productivity, isn't it? When the alarm goes off, it's what I can do, how productive I can be, but that is not how God designed it. At the very beginning of his creative work, God started with the evening. That was the beginning of his creative work. That was the beginning of when he decided to make light and and days and, and mountains and animals and women and men. God began with the evening. A good day starts with a good night. We have a hard time with that, don't we? I know that I did. But you know what a great thing. You know, Jesus talks about uh, how we're supposed to put God first. Tithing is one of those things where we put God first, right? 
This is also a way in our own time that we put God first. Because every day, we are reminded that we are part of this creation because we have to sleep. Every single day, we start off by being unproductive. That's how we begin. Every day we begin while being unconscious and being completely vulnerable. Think how amazing it is that generals and presidents and and teachers and parents and everybody for eight hours is turned into a useless sack of sand. That's how we begin. And you know what? The world doesn't fall off its axis. For eight hours at the very beginning, before we even start, we are completely vulnerable. And at the mercy of this world and under the protection of our God. That's how we begin. What a wonderful admission. You see, sleep is this, one, this amazing thing. It is, it is like this wonderful song that we put on repeat. That every, every day, every 24 hours, it comes back around and it says, You are not God. Man is not God. People are not God. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad that the world doesn't depend on you? It was a great thing when I came back um, from my sabbatical, you know, the church didn't burn down, right? And uh, this entire time, you were fed spiritually, right? You were cared for. You know how awesome it is to be able to come back and realize that I'm not necessary, but also that I was still wanted? Like, there wasn't people like, oh, you're back, (laughs) right? I'm glad I didn't get that. I think sleep is one of those things where God tells us at the very beginning of every day, listen, it, the weight of the world is not on your shoulders. An entire hemisphere is, is asleep, is unconscious, at a time, all the time, and the world keeps spinning. You're not necessary, but you're wanted. That's a more amazing thing that sleep was, is to admit that I am a, I am a created being. And that was God's design and it's good. So sleep became this place, this refuge that I got to go. Now here's a passage that you might have all heard of. It's uh, uh, Psalm 127. And it says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand and watch in vain. You ever heard that before? Yeah. Did you ever know what happened the verse right after that? This will blow your mind. Right after it says, you know, God's going to do things. Here's the thing. It says, In vain you rise early and then stay up late. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Do you know what I was doing? Not so much rising early, but staying up late. Right? So even if I wake up early, I'm not really awake. I'm just there. But staying up late, that's my thing. Right? And God says, it was worthless. It, you're, you're building the wrong things. He said, you know what? He grants sleep there was a, to those he loves. It's a blessing. And I began to think about you know, what he was talking about in there. In fact, later on it says, in, in, in vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. Isn't that what we often do? We stay up late because we're trying to, to get to security in this life, right? I, I stay up late, I'm working, I'm doing all these things because I feel like I've got to, to provide. That's where my security is. I've got to be productive. But didn't Jesus say, you know, that the people of this world, that's what they were going to do? He says, most people in this world, their anxiety is all in this. What are they going to, what they're going to eat, where they're going to sleep, what they're going to wear. He says, that which occupies the minds of the unbelievers. Isn't that what he said? Doesn't that sound like this? <laughs> but he says, not so with you. You don't have to be that way. He said, look at the lilies. Right? Look at, in Matthew 6, a great, great picture there. 
He said, you know, they're flowers. They don't really do anything. They're not all that productive, but they're dressed well. And look at the birds, completely disorganized, but they're fed. And aren't you far more important? Don't you think the God who takes care of the grass and the birds will take care of you? I mean, did Jesus really mean that? I think there's a point at which we see that our value and our security in this life has very little to do with our productivity. In fact, it has a whole lot more to do with our faithfulness. Because what Jesus, he begins to to show us is he, he says, listen, you've got to follow me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all those things will be given to you. It's not my fruitfulness that I find my security in. I've been freed from that. It's my faithfulness that security is found. And I think that's a huge lesson for us. That's why sleep is okay. Now, if you're a lazy good-for-nothing, you're sleeping all the time, and you're never, ever working and all that kind of stuff, then clearly this is not for you. But that's not typically what I find. The great majority in, in people in the United States, we are workaholics. We are people that believe that our identity is wrapped up in our, in our fruitfulness, on our pro- productivity. That's why oftentimes when people, they, they make that great transition from, from working at a, a career to being retired, they go through identity crisis. Where is your productivity? I went through that. For five weeks while we were there on our sabbatical, I was not the easiest person to be around because I didn't have a schedule. I wasn't being productive. And Amy will testify, it was difficult for me. Not knowing what I would do the next day. Or even if going to bed at night and thinking, did I do anything productive? No. Ah! But I was faithful to rest. God wants us to be faithful. Sometimes that being faithful is going into the work he's called us to do. But it is also going to that place of rest that he's provided. And so, in this, I I love what Psalm 121, where it reminded me, that it doesn't depend upon me. This says of Psalm 121, it says, He, this is God, will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I can sleep, I can rest well because I know that my God isn't. He's watching me. We're not like the unbelievers when they go to bed wondering if it's all on, up to them. I have a God who is caring for me. He is directing my life and the, and the way that I'm to go. And he says, just be faithful. There was a rest that comes. When I go to bed at night, it is, it is a prayer and an admission of God's sovereignty over my life. It is a wonderful time for me to go to him and say, you promised to protect and I'm trusting. What a beautiful way to start the day. You know that same psalm, it goes on, it says this, The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your comings and goings, both now and forevermore. Do we trust in the sovereignty of God? Because I don't know about you, but there have been times where it seemed like the sun hurt me by day or the moon by night, and there were times that troubles come into my life. But I'll tell you this, I have been pressed but I've not been crushed there have been times in my life I've been persecuted but I've not been abandoned I have been crushed down but I have yet to be destroyed see my God is powerful in me and through me 
I can trust my Lord. And I also know this, if there is anything that ever comes in life that takes me away from this body, he's given me a new one. That's why, like it says in Romans, that I'm fully convinced that there is nothing in this world that can separate me from the love of my Lord in Christ Jesus. It's neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, or anything. There is a power that we have in resting in God's sovereignty and his love. And it takes this anxiety and this stress away. Does anybody here struggle with anxiety and stress? The Lord invites you into a sanctuary every day of sleep. A time to be able to go to him and say, it's not up to me, but I'm trusting you, that you are God and I'm not. So it's a great reminder, isn't it? That we're under God's care. And when we rest in the Lord, he does something amazing for us. And we get that, when we admit that we're part of this creation and start acting like it, we find ourselves refreshed. Physically, absolutely. But think about emotionally. Have you ever met somebody who was sleep deprived and tried to have a deep conversation with them? Or how about this, uh, financially? You see, it seems to make sense that if I stay up late and I'm working extra and all that kind of stuff, I'm going to earn extra money and all that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you, medical bills are expensive. And if you're not making the best decisions and you're not emotionally available, you're not going to be as productive as you think you are. And that's not just me saying that. There's a lot of studies that, that prove that. That one of the best things you can do to be productive is to get good rest. But we, of course, know it's not about productivity. That's just a blessing. Spiritually, it helps us too. When I'm well-rested, I don't fall asleep every time I start reading the Bible or when I go into my quiet time. Because if you're sleep-deprived, every time you go into your quiet time, guess what you do? It's quiet. It's like the only place in your life that's quiet. You're like, oh, Lord, I love you. (sighs) Right? Spiritually, I begin to actually connect with my Lord. Socially, it helps me. I'm not so fully exhausted I can't say yes to my friends when they need me. I'm not unavailable when I'm when needed because I took the time to rest and recharge. Sleep is an amazing thing. And chronic, chronic sleep deprivation is praised in our culture. I get that. It's something that everybody, you're like, if you see somebody sleep deprived, you're like, wow, you must be a very productive person. We praise that. So I know it's just countercultural. But I will tell you, if at least for me, the sleep deprivation that I faced before I went over there, when I really began to think about it, was really an indication of not great things. It was indication started the fact that I felt like the weight of the world. Like the church will fall apart if I don't stay up late and wake up early and, and minister to every single person and meet all of these needs. And I was running myself ragged. And then I came back and guess what? You're all okay. Right? It was okay for me to sleep. See, I thought I had to do everything with me. I didn't have faith in God. That he was big enough, truly big enough. And if I just was faithful and living and taking care of of the things that he asked me to do and not taking care of the things that he didn't ask me to do, that he would be faithful to make up the difference. That was an issue of faithlessness in me. And so repentance means I needed to turn and say, God, I'm trusting you with this church whom I love deeply. But you know, also in me, it also revealed pride. Because I realized oftentimes I stayed up late and was doing other things, not really because I was building God's kingdom, the church. I was building the church, but I was building Aaron's kingdom, the church, right? Because I want to have, there's a prideful thing, right? I want to be ambitious. I want to have the biggest, bestest ministry ever, right? When I get to heaven, I want, you know, like Peter to give me a high five, like, bam, that's the way to do it, dude, right? That's what I want. But the reality is that's not maybe what I was called for. If God blesses our church that way, awesome, but it's not my kingdom. It's Christ's. 
that we need to be building. And if we're going to build Christ's kingdom, we're going to build it in Christ's way. And I think a lot of times that we look into our lives, we, we realize that we live unfaithfully trying to do good things, right? But if we look at the motive of it, it's really we're trying just to build our own kingdoms, and that's pride. And pride is deadly. So there's a humility that comes to saying that, Lord, there are going to be things that I will not accomplish in this world that I think that would be really great would boost my ego. And I'm not going to accomplish those things because I'm going to be faithful to you. And that is great. Because if it wasn't without, if I didn't have Christ, the things that I would accomplish in this world would mean nothing. Jesus said, why gain the whole world if you lose your soul? And I forget the great things that he's given me, stuff that I could never accomplish on my own anyway. I am his child. I've been called a co-heir in his kingdom. That is just amazing, blows my mind. So, sleep is one of those things that I think God uses to help us to get our thinking right, especially in our culture, where we think oftentimes that that if if we're fruitful, right, if I have enough money or time or experience or whatever, then I can be faithful. And I hear this a lot, and I even said this a lot. Like, Lord, once I have enough money, then I'll, I'll be generous, right? And I'll tithe, and I'll do all those things. Once I, have, once I have enough time, Lord, then I'll be generous with my time, and I'll volunteer, and I'll help people when they need it, right? Then we think once we're fruitful, then we can be faithful. Lord, once I, I've accomplished so much in, in my skill set, then I'm going to be able to be faithful in helping other people in those things, right? But it goes the other way. The kingdom of God, Jesus showed this over and over again. He said, no, no, uh, faithfulness leads to fruitfulness, It's not the other way around. We start with being faithful and then we trust the Lord that he's going to do the great things. I mean, that's why he took 12 basically nobodies and called them to be disciples. And that's why they did great things. And he says to you, where are you today? Be faithful. And I'll tell you, one of those areas that I needed to be faithful was to just rest and find that time and sleep. But there was another sanctuary that God has given us and it's not just sleep, it is the Sabbath. On Exodus 28, that's where the Ten Commandments are found. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And he goes on to explain kind of what we're supposed to do on the Sabbath. And basically says, On that day, do not work. And we're like, Okay, fine. I can take a day off, but I'll make everybody else work. So he clears that up. So he goes on. Neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. Don't work. Take a day off. That's what he tells us to do. Now, I get it. This is old covenant stuff, right? I know that, I, I'm, you know, I've read Galatians. I know that Jesus has fulfilled the, the you know, the covenant of the law. We're not, um, you know, going to go to hell because we sin. Thanks be to God, Right? And I know that the law has been fulfilled and all those types of things. But they ask you, does that mean that then we can just disregard the wisdom of God? Does it mean that the Ten Commandments don't apply to us? At least this commandment doesn't apply to us? Are we supposed to be nine commandment people? Uh, there's something to this that we need to look at and, and I mean, really sincerely look at. Because I think as Christians, effectively we are nine commandment people. Why did we drop this one? You know, I think it's, it, it has a whole lot more to do with culture than it has to do with theology, doesn't it? Like in our culture, we're all about just being, uh, you know, you, you need to be, uh, you need to be productive. 
And so we see somebody actually taking a day off, and what do we do? We look down our nose at them. They're lazy. You have a whole day unproductive. I mean, it's, it's looked as a bad thing. But I'll tell you, this passage, it's, it's not about legalism. We're saved by God's grace through faith. That's wonderful. That is a great thing. But we also need to be looking at God and say, how did you design us? What are good things? And when we look at those commandments, let's look at the first, like if you look at how the commandments are set up, God starts with the biggest ones first, doesn't he? I mean, the first commandment, don't have any other gods but him. Is that important for us as believers? I think so. How about the second one? Don't carve idols and worship them. Is that important? Yeah, I think so. Or how about the next one? Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Is that something that maybe we should listen to? I mean, honor God's name? Not say God said this when he didn't say it or, or curse his name and things that God's name should be honored? I think so. Those are pretty important. This is the fourth commandment. This one comes right after those. It's two commandments before don't murder somebody. If it tells you something about how important it is, then God's not kidding. And you know this commandment, it didn't, God didn't just make it up on Sinai. It's, it comes from creation. Right? This whole thing about, you know, we're supposed to, uh, to rest on that seventh day, it was something that he said, listen, this came from the very beginning. In creation, for six days, the Lord created. On the seventh day, he rested. So therefore, keep the seventh day holy. This was way before there was the people of Israel. This is, goes back to saying, this is why we keep it holy. It's part of your design. So honor it. Honor God as creator. And so we're supposed to be doing this. I think that, uh, that uh, letting the land rest even was a priority because it has to do with creation, right? There were times in scripture where God said, not just you, not just the people that are there, not just even the animals, but even the land you're supposed to let rest. And Leviticus, when he was giving the priests write down the law, it says in there, listen, if you don't let the land rest, there's going to come a time where you're all going to be taken captive and you're going to be taken away from the land and the land is going to get its rest. It's going to get all of those, those Sabbaths back. It's going to be called a sabbatical. Which is like a lot of Sabbaths together. This is what you guys gave me, right? And you know what happened? The people of Israel didn't let the land rest. And so what happened? Well, then they got taken in captivity and, and were brought all the way over to Babylon for 70 years to let the land rest to the very year. Uh, so that the land got its full rest. If God is so, uh, he's so serious about even letting dirt rest, how much more does he want you to rest? It's part of our design. And so, yeah, we're free from the penalty of sin, but not the consequences of ignoring our design. So when we ignore a, a Sabbath, like if we ignore sleep, your body falls apart, right? We, our body isn't rested. If you uh, ignore the Sabbath, your soul is not rested. And what happens when our souls are not rested? Well, it's really hard to overcome sin. It's really hard to trust in God. Our faith becomes something that's, that we're not really solid on right? We begin to drift and wander from the most important things. Have you ever felt in life that you, 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 you felt like you just didn't have the power, or the capacity, or the ability to handle spiritually what God has for us in this life? You need to rest. You need your Sabbath. There was evening and morning. That was the first day. It tells us we need sleep, but then God said there's going to be a week. There's six days to work and there's a day to rest. It is the same kind of rhythm. And it should be just as much a priority, especially for us as Christians. So we can sleep and ignore the Sabbath, but we, uh, we can't do that forever and not face consequences. 
And so our culture praises the overtaxed. I get it even in, in church, right? We look at somebody who's so busy that they can't actually minister in their life. We say, can you help? And they're like, I'm too busy to help do whatever God wants in my life. And we're like, oh, you must be awesome. You're so busy. That's not healthy. We're not putting God's things first. See, God, he didn't create this at Sinai, this, this wonderful command. But what he did do is he reminded us of our design at Sinai. But look at this. Where did the people at Sinai, the Israel people, where were they just a couple days earlier? They're in captivity in Egypt. And did Pharaoh ever give them a day off? In fact, if we read in there, he's like doubled up their work and all that kind of stuff. I think it's amazing at Sinai, God said, I am a totally different kind of leader than that Pharaoh. And Pharaoh has insatiable lust for power and for productivity and all these types of things. And he's never going to have enough. But where the kingdom, my kingdom is, there's going to be peace. That the peace of, of Yahweh will be a huge contradiction from the restlessness of this world. Wherever the kingdom of God is, there will be a huge difference. See, our God isn't like Pharaoh. He doesn't just drive you into the ground. You think about most corporations. You ever gone to like seen like a, a earnings report and they said, hey, we made double-digit profits and all that. And they're like, wow, that's more than enough. Everybody take the week off. Right? I remember when I worked at the bank and I, I set a couple of sales records. Right? So the first time I set a sales record, I thought, oh man, they're going to give me a high five and then they're going to be like, you did awesome. Right? This is what they did. They said, great job. Next week we expect the same thing. And then when I did it again, yeah, or more. It doesn't end. This world is never to be sated. But we serve a different kingdom and a different God. And he said, you know what? God's people will be a refreshed people. One of the biggest testimonies that we can have in this life is that we're not living for this life. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of exhausted people out there in the world who have no idea that you can actually be refreshed. And God invites you to come and be refreshed. That is what the Sabbath is about. That's why he invites you to come and to enjoy it. To come to this sanctuary and be filled. I got to have a whole Sabbath of Sabbaths. It was amazing. And my soul is full. It's, it's a great thing, but you don't have to wait for something like that. It comes around every week, but you have to make it a priority. The third thing that I found is this. There's a sanctuary of our Savior. This one's less surprising to me. It was less unexpected, but it's still powerful. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn them to uh, Matthew uh, 8.23. And if you have one of our Bibles, it's on page uh, 758. And if you need a Bible, there's a bunch of them back there, and you can, if you don't have one, keep it, uh, our gift to you. Um, so here, as you're turning there to Matthew 8, there's a story that happened in Jesus' life. Um, right before this happens in this story, Jesus is doing some really cool stuff. He's, he's casting demons out of people. He's healing people from sickness, right? He's uh, even helping Gentiles, right? He's doing some really cool stuff. And then, obviously, he's, he gets tired. And so he goes to a boat. And why would you go to a boat? Because the amazing thing about boats is typically they're surrounded by water. And the awesome thing about water is that people can't, unless you're Jesus, walk on that, right? And so they can't surround you anymore. And so we read, and starting in verse 23 of chapter 8, it says this, Then he, Jesus, got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went over and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us! We're going to drown! And he replied, You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And then he got up, 
And he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed, and they asked, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? I love that story. I think it's just, what an amazing thing. For starters, Jesus is exhausted. You ever tried to like be faithful and go get rest, and then like as soon as you do, the storm kicks up? Because that's the time it's going to happen. That's when the enemy attacks, right? Was Jesus phased? He was still asleep. Right? He had trust. And what was his answer when his disciples woke him up? He's like, what is your problem? Why do you have such little faith? Right? I can imagine him just being like groggy, like, okay, be quiet. I'm going back to bed. Right? God's got this. But I think something was also interesting is that it wasn't just a small storm. When fishermen are freaking out, it's a bad storm. Right? Have you been on an uh, airplane flight or something like that? And like the, you can tell the pilot when he gets on, he's a little bit nervous. You're like, I don't want to be here. The flight attendants are all kind of like ghostly white. And you're like, oh, I'm glad I know Jesus because I might meet him really quick. That was the kind of storm. But you know what? Even in the midst of the storm, the disciples were already safe because they were with their Savior. That's the thing. The storm raged around the boat, but it wasn't in the boat. They were safe there. And there were a lot of other boats, I imagine, on that water where the fishermen were not safe, but those 12 on that boat with their Savior were absolutely safe. And Jesus didn't seem a little bit concerned. Do you know that you are a disciple? We say we're here to be disciples, to build disciples. If you're a disciple of Jesus, that means you are with your Savior. There's a place that he is. And he's with you. In fact, Jesus even talked about this. John chapter 14, verse uh, 15, it says this. If you love me, keep my commandments. It means, all right, if we come to him as Savior, you also come to him as Lord, which is a good thing to do. And he also says then, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, yeah, I'm going to send you another part of me. And he's going to be with you, but he's not just going to be with you. He's not just going to be in the boat with you. Look what he says. He takes it to the next level. He says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you. That's awesome. But get this, and will be in you. You know, that's one place that I believe that the enemy can't go. You know, I've studied the word and, and all of this, and I think there is one place that the enemy cannot go, and that is this, where the Lord reigns. Where the, where the Spirit of God is, where the presence of God is, the enemy can't occupy that space. And if you're in Christ, the enemy occupies this space. That's what the Word of God says. Which is why the enemy, the best he can do is lob flaming arrows into your life, right? Because he's got to fire at you from a distance, overtry the walls of your life. And we even have a, a shield of faith to put those arrows out. All right, if we don't, bad things happen. But if we do, we're faithful. That's the best he can do. There's a sanctuary in you that the Savior exists in, that is safe. The storm of life will rage around you. There's no doubt about it. It's going to happen, <laughs> right? There are going to be storms. There are going to be difficulties. There are going to be trials. There's going to be all kinds of scary things are going to happen around your life, but you are safe in Christ. And Christ wants to meet with you in that sanctuary of your heart. No matter what's happening in your life, he says, come. And you don't have to wait once a week to do that. And you don't even have to wait every 24 hours to wait till bedtime. He is with you all the time. Did you get that? He's never going to leave you. And he says, meet with me. And so in Psalm 46, it says, God is our refuge, a strength, right? Ever-present trouble, a help in, in 
times of trouble. Our God is not just a, an imaginary fortress. When, when life gets difficult, when I don't know what to do, when I feel just overwhelmed, that this world is too big for me, right? God says, come. But I don't have to wait till life is, is all falling apart. I can go to that refuge anytime, all the time. That's what it means, I think, where, where it says we're not going to fear though uh, the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. That's what that passage goes on to say. Right? And I don't know if you've ever had times in your life, it feels like the earth's giving way. The, <laughs> the mountains are, are crumbling down around you. We don't have to be afraid because none of those things, those created things, can keep our creator from being sovereign and powerful. But there's a truth in this though too. We can't be halfway in the boat. The apostles in the midst of that storm, right? When they were waking Jesus up, which I imagine was a pretty funny sight. You're like, you wake him up. No, you do. They were safe on the boat. But if they were like, well, if Jesus doesn't wake up, I'm going to swim for it. There's a point at which you have to recognize the world is too rough and too big and too scary for you to handle on your own. But when you admit that and you stay with your Savior and you say, I'm not going to, uh, I'm trusting him, there is security and a safety and a peace and a refuge there that you cannot replace. That is where there is rest. And so coming back from my sabbatical here, I'm going to say my sabbatical was, for all those you ask, it was wonderful. It really was. But it was also an admission of my humanity. And it's hard for me because I wanted to be, you know, strong and build church and all that kind of stuff and I'm just a man, and I can't do it all. And what a great thing was a reminder that my God is big enough. And so he gave me sleep. It was a wonderful exercise in trusting in God's protection and provision. Right? I couldn't protect. I was 2,000 miles away. I, if the church did burn down, there's nothing I could do about it. I was stuck on an island. And I had to trust him with you, whom I love most. And guess what he did? He still cared for you. Who knew? And so even though I rested, he gave me a, a great... Sabbath, a time of refreshing of the soul. You know, my sabbatical was was a time to refocus on Christ and his kingdom, making sure that I was building his kingdom and not mine, which is exactly what you want your pastor to be focused on, right? It was a sanctuary of refreshment for me and my family. It was a wonderful thing. But what about for you? Well, there are things that you can take from my sabbatical that I hope that you grow in. Are you weary? Do you need refreshing? because I guarantee I wasn't the only one in this building that needed that. Well, you can still rest in that same creator, right? And you can do that. I would say rest in your creator is through the sanctuary of sleep. I encourage you. It's okay to do that. I want you to rest in your creator also in the sanctuary of the Sabbath. Find rest for your soul there. You can also rest in your, in your, in your creator in the sanctuary of your Savior. This is something that's not just going to happen. It's going to take, you know, I, at least for me, I've been trying to keep those big rocks in there. Like sleeping now has been hard. And so I have to like set my alarm to go to bed and do things like this. Setting a time every week to make sure that here's how you keep your Sabbath holy. Don't schedule something on it. Because you do that for every other day of the week, right? So how do you keep it different? Don't schedule something. For our time where we said, I'm going I'm to sanctuary the sanctuary of the Sabbath, didn't mean we just sat around all day and, and sang hymns. You know, wake up in the morning and have coffee and read a little word, have a prayer, whatever. But, but you know, spend some time with the Lord. But then we would be like, what do you want to do? It would be fun. Some days we built a puzzle. I made a puzzle. I did have a puzzle. I never do puzzles. I did a puzzle. And it was a thousand pieces and there was no pictures. We didn't know what it was going to be. It was a lion. It was awesome. And then one piece was missing. I don't know what the lesson is in there in that. But, um, <laughs> but I did a puzzle. 
I, I, learned, I played ukulele with my son. We, we, we went on walks. There was one day we were like, hey, let's just, let's just go drive around the, the island. Okay, let's do it. That's a Sabbath. It, 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 we were free to, to be free. Make sure you have that in, in your, your schedule once a week. Do it. Keep it holy. And start, I mean, obviously come and worship and then go be free and enjoy. Also, in the sanctuary of the Savior, just because you're saved, I know that we all, those of you who are in Christ, you've been saved, but don't forget that Jesus is still very much real in your life. He's there to talk to. Go to him. And if you don't know the Lord yet, if you haven't uh, come to him and been saved by his grace through faith, and what a wonderful time. That, he says that he's standing at the door of your heart knocking and he says, you know what? If you just open up, I'm going to come and spend time with you. There's a sanctuary available to you too. And so, if that's you, I would like you to take out your connection card and on the back of it, if you would like to know how to have that sanctuary, how to enter into life with the Savior, on the back, if you've, there says, uh, I would like more information about starting a relationship with Jesus. Wouldn't you check that for me and then make sure I have your information. This week, we'll get together. And I'm sure you've got questions about what does it mean to follow Jesus? How, to, just, how does that all work? And we'll talk about it. And if you're ready, we'll help you take those steps of faith so that you can enjoy that wonderful rest. But for the rest of us who have already accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, there's some other things that says, this week I commit to. There's some things I want to challenge you to do. The first one is uh, Matthew 11:28. I want you to memorize that. Why? Because this world is crazy and it's going to suck every single bit of life out of you. And you need to remember that Jesus has come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's where it starts at. Make sure that we're coming to Christ. Also, I'm going to encourage you to read Matthew 6. Why? Well, read it and you'll find out especially the second half of that. The first half we tacked on because it's part of where the chapter was and it's all good. But uh, I think you're going to see some amazing things about how it doesn't, uh, it's not up to you. It's not all about just your, your fruitfulness. Or how about this? Maybe what you need to do is also confess your burdens to Christ. Part of the rest that we have, that peace that we get in God, it says you know, we're supposed to bring to him all of our burdens, all of our cares, all of our worries. Right? Bring those concerns to him and then uh, with thanksgiving and he says then the peace of Christ which guards your hearts and mind Christ, uh, in Christ Jesus will be yours. Maybe that's where you need to start. If you're, if you're just anxious and overburdened maybe that's where you start this week. Bringing your burdens to him. Or how about this? Maybe what you need to do is keep your Sabbaths holy. Maybe the, the, uh, <laughs> the way of this world is just taking all of your time and you feel like you never have a time to get your feet underneath you. I want you to see that God is faithful to you when he asks you to be faithful to him. Take that time once a week, set it apart, say we're going to go, we're going to worship God and then we're not going to schedule things. And we're going to rest and whatever happens that day is going to happen but we're not going to work. I challenge you to do that. I know this can be hard but I, I tell you it'll be amazing. Or maybe there's something else, let me know. And here in a minute, we're going to um, take our offering. Of course, if you have a prayer request. Uh, one thing I did do for you guys whilst I was gone is I still prayed for you all. Um, I hope that's okay. Um, that was restful for me too. But if you have a prayer request, please let me know so we can pray for you this week. And then as we take our offering, drop this in the offering basket. And, uh, and then we'll close with some, uh, with some worship. So let's pray for our offering and for our commitments. Heavenly Father, thank you for the, your love, your kindness, your goodness. The fact that you are a God that is not like Pharaoh. Lord, that you're not like a God like this world. You don't just, uh, you know, take everything and then use us up and then throw us away. God, instead, that you took us when we were all used up and we were broken and, and we're burdened. And you say, I'll take those burdens. And you bring us to us and you gave us these wonderful sanctuaries. I pray, Father, that you would help us 
to spend time and abide in those sanctuaries, those blessed sanctuaries that you've given us. And Lord, that we would find as a church, uh, as a congregation, the freedom and the ability to find sleep. Help us to be wise in how we structure our time so that we can make that a priority, Lord. Father God, I also pray for uh, us that we would be faithful in keeping our Sabbath, a, a day set apart holy for you. Help us, give us wisdom and the ability to, to carve that time out and give us the courage to really defend it. Oh Lord, so our spirits could be refreshed in the way that you want them to be. And Father, I also thank you for that wonderful refuge, that, that sanctuary we have of Christ in our heart. Lord, I pray that you would have your way in us. But Lord, that you would also give us the courage and remind us to meet with you. And, uh, and in this, Father, find our true security as we live in this, this uh, crazy world. Lord, I pray for the commitments that we've made today. Help us to keep them away that honors you. Thank you for the, the amazing provision that you always give us to us. Father, I pray for our offering, that you would use that and that you would build your kingdom in us and through us, that we would truly just be your disciples that build your disciples. We ask in Christ's name, amen.
as we transition over um, to say tonight's EMA uh, service, you say, what are we doing there? So the, all the churches, the believers in the entire valley, we come together. Why are we doing this? Uh, well, whilst I was gone, you, um, there were some big events nationally that took place. Um, obviously, there were some things, some bad things that happened in Charlottesville. There was, uh, we have a hurricane uh, over in North Korea. We have nuclear threats that we have not had to deal with in a very long time over in Asia. There's an enormous amount of flooding. We have Christians in Sudan that are suffering in an enormous way. And I'll tell you that as believers, sometimes the question is, what do we do? How do we respond in a time like this? And so that's what we're coming together as a church of Estes, all the pastors, all of the, 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 the believers coming together to say to God, we need you. What do we do? How do we respond faithfully in a time like this? And so I encourage you to come tonight. It's not just a social hour. It's a time for us to get real with God saying, if you made us, if you planted us in a time such as this, he expects something of us. How do we respond? And we're going to respond together faithfully. And so I encourage you to come. It starts at 6 o'clock. Um, I found out yesterday that I, I get to speak at the very, very end. So uh, that would be... Um, but anyway, we encourage you to be able to come and join us for that. Um, by the way, my name is Aaron. I'm the lead pastor here. You might not uh, recognize me. Say, who's that handsome guy on stage? That was, I told, first service. That's Zach. Uh, but uh, I'm the lead pastor. I've gone for the last 10 weeks and uh, on a sabbatical, and so it's wonderful to be back. Thank you for giving me and my family that wonderful time. Uh, today we're going to talk about that. I found some unexpected sanctuary uh, whilst I was away, and I come to share some of that with you. Uh, sanctuary, we found a lot of rest in it, so today's really our theme, our focus. We on the rest of uh, that God gives us, and so our memory verse today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28, and that's where uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says to the people, he says, listen, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Is anybody here that's weary and burdened this morning? Right? I know it's the worst person you want to come after the summer. They've all have been working really, really hard. And the last person you want to see is somebody who's rested. So sorry about that. But I will tell you that our God can give you rest. And so he invites you to it. So that's where we're going to start this morning by memorizing this wonderful promise from Jesus. Let's say it together. Here we go. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Ah, very good. All right, let's say it again. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, Matthew eleven twenty eight. All right, now you're starting to get it. Now notice here, is there any qualifier to this? You just got to come to him. All you. That means you. All right, good news. All right, let's say it again. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. You guys have it. Here we go. Let's test ourselves. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Isn't that a powerful, wonderful promise? And I'll tell you, this life can just, it, it can just take the wind out of our sails, can it? I mean, it can just grind you to a pulp. That's kind of what it does. But we have a God who refreshes, an amazing kind of God. We're going to talk about that this morning. But first, this week, set your heart and your mind to that wonderful promise. Right, when you're feeling weary and burdened, realize there's a place that you can go. And that God is there and he'll meet you. What an awesome promise. Okay. So to talk about today, what are those places that we can go? 
over the, the last 10 weeks uh, on my sabbatical, I was really hoping that God would give me some kind of grand epiphany, something huge, like a big vision for the church or something like that. I was like, okay, Lord, you know, the church is making this huge investment in me. I really want to make sure that I have something of value to bring back. And it wasn't like I just, you know, woke up one morning and then like there was like the curtains of heaven to open and God's like, oh, I have this for you. It wasn't like that. Instead, I rested. And I found that there was that God didn't just give me rest. He actually provided place for me to rest in some very unexpected ways. Now, the coolest thing about these places is that they don't just exist in Hawaii. Now, these are sanctuaries that God has provided for all of us. And so I bring them back for you. And the first unexpected sanctuary that I found for rest was sleep, right? Shocking, I know. But sleep, uh, if it was one of those things where I don't like sleep. I don't know if the only one here, last first service, all the people, of course, they're early risers, right? So apparently those people are like, yeah, let's go to bed early or something. I don't know. But I don't like sleep. I never have. I hate having to stop, right? It's, have you ever wondered why we have to sleep? You ever wondered why God made us, designed us in such a way that we spend a third of our life unconscious, unproductive? Think, let that think of it. A third of your life. You are nothing more than a useless sack of sand, and he made it that way. Have you ever wondered why God did that? I have, and it's bothered me terribly. Right? We're made in the image of God. And yet, God doesn't sleep, does he? Yet, I've got to sleep. Ah, it's bothered me. And so, in my life, I have resented sleep. You know, I, I feel like, I, I read once that giraffes only sleep 20 minutes for every eight hours they're awake. And I think part of it's because they're looking out for lions, which I'm glad I don't have to do. But I, have you ever wanted to be a giraffe? Like, I'll sleep one hour a day, and I could be productive, and I could do things. I could get another job. I could also do my ministry. I could play a whole lot more. There is something in me that says, you know, I I hate to have to surrender. But there's something powerful that God has given me. When when I was over in Hawaii, he forced me to sleep. And this is how he did it. Um, We... uh, we got, you travel a long way and you sit on these airplanes next to people who may or may not be hygienic and may or may not be healthy. And, and you're there and you're stressed and you're tired and your immune system is a little low or whatever. And so I got to Hawaii and the first thing that I got was a horrible chest cold. Me, Amy, Thomas, all of us. We were just out. Now, I was hoping when I got to Hawaii, the very first thing I was going to do, I was going to make the most of it, right? I'm going to get up every day. I'm going to do all kinds of stuff. I'm not going to miss a second of this time. And instead, God said, no, 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 you're going to sleep. And boy, did I sleep. Because I had to. I just couldn't get up. And I uh, spent about two weeks in bed. And I slept. And the weirdest thing happens when you're forced to sleep is that you realize the world doesn't fall off its axis. <laughs> right? Like, I slept and it was Okay. And I started to feel better and recharge. It was, I started to think more clearly. It was an awesome thing. You know, I realized that in my life, I wouldn't sleep if I didn't have to. Right? That's why I'm looking forward to heaven. It's like there's no night there. I'm like, yeah! Right? It's always day, so the party never has to stop. Right? You never have to say, oh, I'm too tired. We're going to go home. Never. I'm looking forward to that. But here, there is rest. But it's not a curse. See, if we don't sleep here, things, bad things happen. Our bodies break down eventually, don't they? You get sick, you, your immune system doesn't work so good and all that, but also your mind breaks down. You know, I, I, I've heard it said several times that, uh, that driving sleepy is far worse than driving intoxicated, which I don't think you should do either, right? But it, our, our, our thoughts start to break down, all these kinds of things. It's, uh, it's not good for us to be sleep-deprived. 
And I wonder, why did God do that? Why did he make design us in such a way where we were forced to sleep? And I discovered through this time of, of rest that God, he designed us that way. Right here in Genesis chapter 1, it's the big story of creation and how God made us. And right there at the beginning, it says, God called the light day and the darkness he called night, and there was evening and there was morning and the first day. Do you know what God also did in that beginning? He made us out of the same creation. That there was a rhythm to life that God built into creation. Before he even built the land, before he even made animals or people or anything, there was a rhythm to it. There was already day and night. And it happens very cyclically. Right? And then God takes the ground and he picks it up, the, the clay, and he forms people out of it. And he breathes his life into it. We are part of this creation. We're not separate from it. There is a rhythm to our design and it starts here. And when we live outside of that rhythm, when we get outside of that thing and think that we're, we're somehow above creation, when we start acting like we're above nature, supernatural, like we're God, bad things happen. See, God made us in an amazing way to live within the rhythm of, of the creation that he made. There's a design to it and we need to respect it. And sleep is part of that. But there was something else that I found in this passage that for whatever reason, for all these years that I've been a believer, just missed me, like, right? And that's this. There was evening and then there was morning the first day. That's not how our days work, right? Our days don't usually start with evenings, right? Think about how you think of a day. Does it start at the evening before? I don't know about you, but, but my day usually starts with an alarm clock that just like rips the pre-dawn morning, right? And get up, be productive, right? And then you just dead sprint all the way through until you finally turn off your cell phone or the electric light somewhere way past when the evening began, right? And where the only bits of night that we get are the little tiny bits that we cram in at the very end because we have to. So I looked at my day and my day was all about one word and it's productivity, That's where I found my value and my security. And if I could stay up late and I could do more, then I was productive and that made me valuable. But that's not how God designed us. He started his creative work at night. The very beginning, how the rhythm that God made things, it started with the evening and then there was morning. That was the beginning of all the amazing things God made, like land and animals and people. A great day starts with a good night never dawned on me. And I think the reason for that is is we get caught up in the whole idea of productivity, but God, it's not about productivity. That's not where success in this life. That's not how we work in rhythm of this world. It's not productivity. It's faithfulness. So God didn't just design you. He didn't design you to be productive. He designed you to be faithful. And that's a totally different thing. So why sleep then? Can't I be faithful without it? Yeah, but think about what happens at sleep. At the beginning of every day, I start every single day with an admission of the fact that I am not the creator. That I'm still part of this creation. There is evening. I have got to surrender to this. The first eight hours of my day are absolutely the opposite of productive. I am as in, unproductive as anything. I'm like a brick. And you know what? The world keeps spinning. I start every day vulnerable because you can do anything you want to a person that's sleeping right you can ask my college roommates right when you're sleeping you can't do anything you're you're not able to help yourself or anybody else you are completely vulnerable that's how i begin every day that's how all of us truly begin every day 
It's an admission and a reminder of the fact. It's like a great song that we put on repeat that you are not God. I am not God. We are not God. Praise God. Aren't you glad that the weight of the world isn't on your shoulders? Isn't it amazing that though a third of, like, uh, uh, any time, an entire hemisphere is asleep and the world keeps spinning, somehow humanity hasn't just completely crumbled, right? We're still here. Every day doesn't begin with being productive. It begins with being faithful. It begins in resting in the Lord and trusting in his sovereignty. Now, here's the cool thing about that. God gives us a promise for this. He says, Psalm 127, he says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand and watch in vain. You ever read that passage? The whole idea is that's a really popular one. Everybody knows that one. Unless God's the one behind it, it really doesn't matter. Do you know the verse happens right after this? In context, that's where it starts. The next verse, this will blow your mind. It says this, In vain you rise early and stay up late, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Surprise! I was getting up early and staying late and, and all those types of things and thinking, you know, I've got the, it all depends on me. But you know what? I was gone for 10 weeks and the church is still here and the church is still healthy and people are still disciples that are building disciples. You know how great it is to not be necessary but still be wanted? You know, I'm glad when I came back, they weren't like, hey, we're healthy, see you later, <laughs> you're back. But the fact of the matter is, is that I'm not God and he doesn't expect me to be. And the thing is, is that I can't build his kingdom better than he can. And there are certain passages, parts of his kingdom that he told me to build and there's other things that I could do, but he doesn't ask me to. He said, be faithful. Recognize that you're part of this. Live within the rhythm that I designed for you to be. And trust me to build my kingdom. It doesn't all depend on you. And you know his kingdom is actually, when you come to Christ, that's also your life. He says, I, you need to die to yourself and you get a new life and you live in him. How you live your life is part of build, building his kingdom. He's more than enough to build his kingdom in you. Our God is not some type of sadistic kind of uh, life coach who pushes us beyond the limits he designed in us. He works with us in the rhythm that he made for us. And he says, you know what? It's a blessing, the fact that you get to rest. He's working in your life. You know, when I read that, there's a, the next verse after that says, in vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. Isn't that the motivation why a lot of us, like we, we're all stressed out about work and things like this, and we stay up late and we try to work and try to get, you know, ahead? And God says, you know, that's kind of per- pointless. But most people do that, right? Why are most people sleep deprived? Because they have all these burdens. Didn't Jesus say, this reminds us of kind of that passage in Matthew 6 where Jesus said, you know, the people of this world are, are, are really stressed out. And what occupies their thoughts all the time is this, what they're going to eat, where they're going to sleep, what they're going to wear. This, this fills and floods their minds. But he says, not so with you, Jesus said. And he, he reminds us, he says, look around, look at the, the grass, the field, right? It doesn't go out and work really hard and, and all that, but it's dressed really nice. He said, look at the birds, they're not even like coordinated, right? And yet, they're not starving. And aren't you far more important to the Father who takes care of them? <laughs> I mean, aren't you far more valuable than the grass and the birds? Of course. And so he said, you're going to take care of you. Now, did Jesus really mean that? I think he did. I think it starts when we begin to trust God that he's actually in our life. That's why we can rest well. 
That's why we can sleep. Rest is a reminder that it's not about us. When I sleep, I remember that I have to stop building my kingdom. Rest is a reminder that it's not all up to me, that I'm part of something, right? That I get to rest and there's one-third that I'm asleep and there's two-thirds I'm awake, so I get to do some pretty awesome things in that two-thirds time, but it's not just me. Rest is a reminder that I'm not supposed to be busying myself building my own kingdom. God has given me just enough time to build his. And oftentimes when I'm not sleeping, guess whose kingdom I'm building? I'm trying to say, you know what? Uh, God, you've given me this. You told me I'm supposed to rest and all these types of things, but I want to be more successful than your awake time will allow me to be. Guess whose kingdom I'm building then? Because you could never build God's kingdom in a faithless way. And so if the Lord doesn't build it, we work in vain. And Jesus even said, what does it gain you if you, build, if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? There's a better way of living. And I think this is a, it's a powerful reminder. Sleep is a time to say, you know what? If I'm going to spend my time building anybody's kingdom, it better be the Lord's. Because that's the one that's going to last. And we're part of Christ's kingdom. And Jesus said, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, then all those things are going to be given to you. And that promise where he says he's going to take care of all your needs, what you're going to, what you're going to eat, where you're, going to, where you're going to sleep, what you're going to wear, all those things. God said he'll take care of those things. But the qualifier was seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. In the hours that you are awake, that's the kingdom we're to build. And so it challenges us, right? When I go to bed at night... I have to, it's, it's, a, it's a sacrifice because there are things that I could do to be more successful in this life during those hours that I have to sacrifice so I can be faithful to God and say, God, what you have for me is enough. Now, there's also a challenge too. I can waste those times. That's what the Proverbs goes through and says, don't be a slackard, right? You only get those hours of wake, so make the most of them. Be productive, and if you need time management help and all those things, go ahead and do that. Just like finances are the same way. But I'll tell you, It's a sacrifice. We're never going to be able to complete everything that we want to in a day. We're going to be forced to go to bed. And it's a reminder that it's not this life that it's about. Jesus calls us to a different way. And it also lets me know that the security of my life isn't based upon me. I'm not toiling for bread to eat. My heavenly father is going to take care of that. Instead, he says, be faithful. Trust me. So my security is not found in my productivity. And isn't that what the world tells us that it's found in? If you're productive enough, then you can have security. If you have enough money in your bank account, then you can be secure. If you have enough time extra in your, in your day, then you can be secure and having you know, more ability to give time to other people. Like our world all says, the more fruitful you are, the more productive you are, the more secure you're going to be. But I'll tell you, four years ago, we had a rude awakening in this community with a horrible flood that took away all of our, <laughs> uh, our presumption of security, didn't it? And Houston... Our our fellow Americans are suffering that very same reality as we speak. Security's got to be found in something much bigger in this world. We are far more vulnerable than we want to admit. And so a great thing that we can do is admit our vulnerability every night as we trust in God. Now, when we do that, does God abandon us? No, he doesn't. In fact, Psalm 121, what a great promise. He, the Lord, will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The reason I can rest well is because God isn't. It's because he's watching over you and he's not kidding. That passage goes on to say, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is the shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you at day. The moon will not harm you at night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. 
He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. That is the word of the Lord. He's not joking. God cares for his children. And that's when I'm resting at night. And I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where my faith has been challenged by this. Because there have been times it, the, the sun has hurt me by day and the moon has hurt me by night. But I will tell you this, I have been pressed, but I have not been crushed. Right? I've been persecuted, but I've not been abandoned yet. Right? I, I've, been, I've been pressed down, but I've not been destroyed. My God, his promises remain to be true, right? That's what we sang. And they are. And even if someday and when someday my body is not going to be able to withstand the pressure of this life, I will be released from this life into a brand new body and a brand new world. That's why like in Romans it says that we don't have to live with fear. That we can be fully confident that nothing can separate us from the love of God our Father that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Neither life nor death, right? Neither the past or the present or the future. Not angels, not demons, not difficulties, not trials, not hardships, nothing. Our God has us. That's where security comes in. That's why we can rest. Are you tired of being filled with anxiety? Because I know a lot of my life I was filled with a lot of anxiety, but I will tell you this, there was a promise that we need to turn to. There's a promise that says our God is watching us and he's not joking. When Jesus said, come to me if you're weary and burdened, I will give you rest, he means it and he gives it. Our God is great. And sleep is that sanctuary. It's the time that we walk into that, that, that presence of God. And we become refreshed as we start our day vulnerable and at his mercy. And then when we wake up, then we can begin doing the work that he's already started in us and he's prepared us for. And our God is good at that. So sleep is a great reminder that we are in God's care and we begin every day with that. And so I went and I found the sanctuary of sleep. And I bring it to you because I know that a lot of us were sleep deprived. And I know a lot of us in our culture, we've been trained to believe that being sleep deprived is a, is a symptom of spiritual maturity. That if I'm sleep deprived, clearly I am up and about doing God's will. I'm being productive for the kingdom and I'm not lazy. But at least in my life, it was quite the opposite. Yes, I was being very productive, but I was building their own kingdom. And when I looked at the reasons why, really my heart, while I was sleep deprived, it had a lot more to do as I found my value in the wrong things. I found my value in how successful it seemed like I was doing in my ministry, in my life, and all the things that I could cram into my schedule, instead of am I being faithful to my father. And so I was forced to be able to, to make that change, Right? Because when I'm trusting in myself and not in God for my, my security <laughs> and in my significance, that's faithlessness, isn't it? It's not trusting God. That's a sin. And that was convicting. And I had to say, God, I have to repent. And how did I repent? I got a good night's sleep. That's the best repentance. And I invite you, you can join me in that. But you know also was? It was pride. Because I realized that my security, my, my, my significance that I was drawing in life was based upon what I could, how much I could produce in this world and the more I would produce the better I would feel about myself but my God says I am valuable period he died for me and he loves me even when I was the worst of sinners and he cares for me and he's called me a prince of the kingdom and he's called me a saint and he's making a place for me my significance is set 
And it's not just what I can do. And I'll tell you, it's a lot of people, when they make a transition, they get injured, right? Or they retire, or they're not going to be as productive in this world as they once thought they were, that they have this huge crisis of conscience. Who am I? Jesus frees you from that. Your identity is not wrapped up in what you can do. Your identity is wrapped up in who he is. And that's not going to change. And he loves you. And he says to you, I'm going to care for you. And he blesses us with sleep every day. So we remember that. And so we can live lives that are based on faithfulness and not worry about just the fruitfulness. In fact, I learned a wonderful thing in my life. I always thought that intellectually, I didn't think of it this way, but practically this is how it worked. I thought if I was fruitful enough, if I was successful enough, then I could be faithful. If I had made enough money, then I'd be really generous, right? If I had enough extra time in my schedule, then I would be generous to be able to serve other people. If I had enough fruitfulness, then I could be faithful. Anybody else like that? Or just me? Okay. But, but I discovered that God, his kingdom works the opposite. He says, if you are faithful, then you'll be fruitful. He says, you know what? Be generous and see if the Lord will be generous to you. Just test him. And he says, you know what? Be generous to other people. Care for other people. Even when you, you don't have a whole lot to give, give what you have and your time and your energy and your care and your compassion and just see if that comes back. That your faithfulness will lead to fruitfulness, not just in this life, but the next one to come. What a freeing thing. So, I found a sanctuary of sleep, but the section I found was a sanctuary of Sabbath, and this also was unexpected, right? Because the Sabbath for me typically is work, which it shouldn't be, right? But it was. And, and there's a passage that I you know, read about the Sabbath. Exodus 20, that's where the Ten Commandments are found. And this is one of the commandments. And it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day the Sabbath is holy, your God. And you're like, okay, how am I supposed to keep it holy? So he describes in the next couple of verses what to do. He says, on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner in your towns. Right? Don't work. Right? That's what he wants us to do. Now I get it. We are part of the new covenant. Jesus fulfilled the, the law, right? So we're not you know, under the condemnation of the law if we miss this. So if you're like, I haven't taken a Sabbath, you know, God's not up there with, waiting with a lightning bolt, right? Jesus already took the penalty for that. But when we look at the, you know, even the Ten Commandments, we should look, did God mean them, right? Uh, it, are they important? And I think, yeah, I think that they, they are, Right? Uh, it's, it's a great thing to see what are the priorities of heaven. I mean, are we supposed to be a church, that, uh, a people of God that really just care about nine commandments? Because I think practically as Christians, that's really how we live, isn't it? Like we look at the other ones, we're like, well, clearly these are things that we're supposed to do. Just because I'm set free from the bondage of law doesn't mean I'm going to go out and just murder somebody. Right? Will I still be saved? Can I still find salvation in Christ from that? Yeah, of course I can. But there will still be consequences, won't there? Now, just because I am saved doesn't mean that I can go out and worship other gods or carve idols, does it? See, this is an important commandment. We shouldn't just ignore it. I think that our neglect of this command has a lot less to do with theology than it has to do with our society. And our society tells us, be productive. Our society says, look at the people who take a day off and look down your nose at them because they're lazy. Our society tells us that our worth is down to what we do. And God challenges that. And I want you to say, if we want to take this in context, look at where it is in the Ten Commandments. The first three commandments, the the commandments are set up to the most important first. And the very first thing that God says is they're not going to have any other gods but him. Right? Not to worship any other gods. That's a pretty important one, isn't it? And the second one says we're not supposed to carve images of those idols of these other gods so we would be tempted to worship them. And the third command says we're supposed to honor God's name and not use it in vain. 
We're supposed to honor God's name. Are those important? Should we, as believers, follow them? This is the fourth command. Take a day off. Does it tell you how important this is to God? This is two commands above not murdering somebody. It's important. We need to listen to this. And where does it come from? Well, this command wasn't something that God made up on, on Sinai. He says, this command exists as part of your very design. It comes from creation. Even in this, he says, you know what? You're supposed to not uh, work all these things because in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath to make it holy. It's the only command that was des- that's tied to our very design. And I'll tell you, at creation was long before there was Israel. This has nothing to do with law and legalism. It has to do with design. And we do well to listen to it. No, we're not going to be following the condemnation of breaking this, but we will still be subject to the consequences of, of, of not listening, right? And I found in my own life that this is a really easy command to ignore. Like, I don't like to sleep, but I have to sleep. If I don't sleep, eventually my body takes over and I'll just pass out. But you can ignore the Sabbath your entire life. What happens then? Well, sleep is for the body and the mind, isn't it? Sabbath is for the spirit and the soul. If we do not take time to rest, our spirits and our souls will become exhausted, dried up. What does it look like as a believer when our spirits are just exhausted? It looks like this. Faith is really hard to cling to. Right? It's really hard to overcome the storms of life because we just don't have any reserve left. It's hard to care for other people and love them in a sacrificial way like Christ does because we just don't have anything left in us to give because we're exhausted. It means that temptation is really hard to overcome. That's what it looks like. So the sins that we've been struggling with for years just keep rearing their head in our life and we can't seem to overcome them. That's what it looks like. If we feel empty and exhausted and hopeless at times and overwhelmed and burdened and filled with anxiety, that's the sign of an exhausted spirit. If you're tired of living there, do you want something more? God said, come to him and he will refresh you. And he's given us a sanctuary there. It's called Sabbath. And here's the neat thing. It's, it's a rhythmic thing. It's part of the way that we were designed. Just as there was evening and morning and so we had to sleep every day, There is a work week and a weekend. It comes around very regularly every week and God said, this is how you were designed. And if you're feeling exhausted, just empty, the sanctuary that I want to bring you this morning is is the Sabbath. To know that it's good, don't feel guilty about taking a day of rest and worship. What does the Sabbath look like? Well, it's a day in which we don't work. That's pretty easy. There's a lot of other things that you can do. It just doesn't say don't play. It doesn't say don't enjoy each other. It says don't work. This is what my Sabbaths looked like when I went on a sabbatical. And I had a really hard time with this. It took me five weeks before I was okay because a sabbatical is just a bunch of Sabbaths stacked together. I hated the fact that I would go to bed and not know what I was going to do the next day. Five weeks, I hated that. And I hated when I would go to bed and I would think about the day before I didn't do anything productive. Killing me. I was like, ugh. So for five weeks, I struggled. But I found in that time that I began to actually begin to be filled. And I had time to connect with my family and, and the neighbors and the people that were there. We, it, was, it was enormous. I had time to connect with the Lord. So this is what my Sabbath my, began with. Now, my sabbatical and my list of Sabbaths together. Most days started like this. I would wake up and I would have time of worship. 
right? So I would have a cup of coffee and I would sit there and I would look outside and I would look at the flowers and the things that God made and I'd think, God, you're awesome. And that was pretty much most, I didn't have like big praise times most days or actually really only on Sundays because you know, I'd be weird if I was just dancing on my, my lanai, but I would sit there and be like, God, you are awesome. And I would talk to him about you guys and my concerns and my wife. And then eventually she would come out with a cup of coffee and we'd sit and talk and my son would sit there and we would chat and be like, what do we want to do today? I don't know. Well, let's go on a walk. Let's go on a picnic today. Whatever it was, I, I made a puzzle. I did a puzzle. I've never in my life done a puzzle. It was crazy. And, and it was one of those things where like, what do you do today? I don't know. Uh, here's a bag of puzzle pieces. They didn't even have a box to it or anything. It's a thousand pieces. We're like, well, let's just do that. And so we put it together and there's one piece missing at the end. I don't even know what God was telling me in that thing. But it was a lion. It was awesome. Like one piece was missing. But, but it was amazing the time that we had together. I come back refreshed. I come back with my, my heart is full so I have something to pour into you. I encourage you guys, take a Sabbath. And if you can't do that, you know, like just to, you think, oh, I just can't set a whole day of time, I challenge you, please do. Start, it, Sundays are perfect. Come and worship the Lord together. That's a, that's a way to refresh. But then afterwards, don't plan anything. Don't say on Sunday, I'm gonna go do this and this and this. I'm gonna work on the house. I'm gonna do the bills. I'm gonna go down to this thing. Don't do it. Guard it, keep it holy. That means keep it different, set aside. What makes it different? Every other day of the week, you schedule. Every other day we could do something productive. Keep the Sabbath holy. Don't schedule things. After church, you go, what do you want to do? I don't know. I want to take a nap. Okay, fine. I want to go on a hike. Great, let's go do it. Take a day to rest. Start with worshiping the Lord, then go and play. You'll be surprised at how God will refresh you. This is a, a sanctuary for your soul. Let's not neglect it. It's an amazing thing that we have. Now, uh, the third thing that I found is a sanctuary is in our Savior. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew 23. This was something I found that uh, um, it was really fun. Now, of course, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to say you're a sanctuary and your Savior. But no, God's not kidding. And here's a fun story that God illustrates. I think it's a living parable that he gave us. So set up this up in Matthew uh, chapter 8, verse 23. Uh, Jesus had just come down from uh, working with, with people for a very long time. And he was a casting out demons and he was healing people of sickness and uh, you know he was caring for all kinds of folks even gentiles and doing some really cool stuff and then he gets tired right because he had a, he's human he's a man too he's a man and god and so he's tired and he's exhausted so he goes to a boat and why a boat well boats are conveniently surrounded by water and if one thing you know about water unless you're jesus you can't walk on it and so all of the crowds and stuff they couldn't follow him pretty smart and so we find jesus in verse 23 it says then he jesus got into the boat and his disciples followed him. And then suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. That's an interesting thing to do in the midst of a horrible storm. And then we read, the disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus replied, Oh, you have little faith. <laughs> Why are you so afraid? And then he got up. And he rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed, and they asked, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? He's not just a man, he's God, and he did something amazing. There's some lessons in this. I think it's the first thing I think is interesting in, in our life. Have you ever wanted to honor God so you only try to sleep or whatever, and then that's when the storm hits? You're trying to rest, you're trying to do it, and then all of a sudden it's like, it's bad. And it's not just bad, it's so bad that like fishermen and stuff are like terrified they're going to drown bad kind of storm. That was pretty awful. 
I'll tell you this. There was a storm that was happening. But was Jesus worried? He was snoozing. He knew his purpose. He knew he was under the protection of his God. He didn't see. And then he gets up and he's like, why are you guys have so little faith? Yeah, there's a storm. Big deal. Storms happen, right? Let me go to bed. And he gets up and he's like, everything, be quiet. Then he goes back to bed. Our God is powerful. And he's good. And I know what you can expect the storm when you try to be faithful. Because the enemy is going to try to derail you, isn't he? That's how he works. As soon as you try, the worst thing is going to happen. I'll say, stick with it because you're with our Savior. Now, here's the second thing I found in this is that the disciples were already safe. Even before the storm started, they were already safe. Jesus wasn't worried about them. And why were they safe? It's because they are on the boat with Jesus. If they were on a different boat somewhere else on the lake, watch out. The reason they were safe is because they were with their Savior. And if you are in Christ, guess what? You have a Savior. That's why we are disciples just as they were. We make disciples of Jesus that make disciples of Jesus. That's what we do. And you have a Savior. In fact, our Savior is not just gone. He's not just some ethereal you know, thing that we hope and cling to. No, he's very real and he's very present. Look at the promise that Jesus says in John 14. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. So if we come to him as Savior, come to him as Lord. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if you're with me, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And he has. In fact, where is the Holy Spirit? Is he just with us? He goes on, the world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Isn't that phenomenal? The disciples were in a boat with Jesus. God is in you. I find that you are probably fairly secure. You know, there's one thing in all my studies, and I've been studying some about uh, where the enemy, you know, spiritual warfare, all that kind of stuff. Where is one place the enemy can't be? I think there's only one place the enemy can't go. And that's where God is. Because light can't ever, can't ever be overcome by darkness. And they can't abide together. And where there is God, the enemy can't be, which means if God is in you, which this word you see here just says he is in you, guess where the enemy cannot be? That's why in Ephesians it says the best the enemy can do is launch arrows, lob them at you at your life, these, these flaming arrows, right, of doubt and then tells us, instructs us, you know, put them out with, the, with faith. Otherwise, you know, bad things can happen. But the enemy can't come inside of you. Doesn't know what you're thinking. Doesn't, you are safe in Christ. You have a sanctuary in you. And that's where your Savior is. And he's not leaving you. He's not abandoning you. He's be with you forever. And he says, you know, Christ wants to meet with you. Do you remember that memory verse? What Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Where do you go? You don't have to go to some big high holy mountain. Christ is already there in you and with you. You don't have to make some huge trek to some foreign city or to go to a huge temple or to bring any huge, you know, basket of things. God says, I want to meet with you. Come to him. And he says, you know what, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. There's a sanctuary that you have with your Savior and I had to find that too. It's not about you and there's going to be storms in this life. My God is bigger than the storms. And you know, and if there are things in this life that should shake me out, I'm still with him, aren't I? That's the sanity of Christ. That's the peace that I have in Jesus. No matter how difficult and crazy this world can get, no matter how many crazy countries can develop nukes, no matter how many big storms can hit our shores, right? no matter how many other terrible things that come into my life, I will never be separated from my Savior. I will always be within his care and he's always going to perfectly position me to do what his will is. 
All he says to me is, hey, don't worry about those things, just trust. Be faithful. So my challenge to you, if you are exhausted, are you weary and burdened? Jesus is waiting. He wants to meet with you. If you're not a, a Christian yet, if you, uh, Jesus says in the word, he says, you know what? He stands right outside the, the, the uh, door of, of your heart and he's knocking. He says, anybody's going to open. There's no qualifiers. He will come in and, and be with you. And you can have this benefit too. The sanctuary of our Savior is an amazing thing. And it's, that's why look, in Psalm 46 it says, Our God is a refuge of, and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Not just pie-in-the-sky words. This is real life. And that goes on to say, Therefore we're not going to fear, even though the earth gives way, even though the mountains fall into the sea, even though the waters foam and, and roar, and the mountains quake and they're surging, we will not fear. Maybe you're at a time in life where the storm is coming and the, and the ground is quaking and the mountains seem to be falling into the sea and everything seems to be falling around you. It's like you're on a boat and Jesus is, God is asleep, but it seems like, and the waves are coming up over the side. I will tell you that our God is still a refuge. You are with him, you are secure. So go to him. If you're weary and burdened, go to him. He'll give you rest. What does that mean? Talk to him. It says that we bring our burdens. We tell him what we're afraid of. We bring him our anxieties. We bring him our goals and our pains and things like this. And we talk to him and we say, help. I need your wisdom, your guidance, your love. And he helps. I will, not maybe, I will give you rest. So if that's where you are, my challenge for you is to find that sanctuary, that third one, that most amazing sanctuary with your Savior. Spend time with him. So, unexpected sanctuary. I went to Hawaii looking for one thing. I thought I was going to come back 15 pound lighter and, you know, way more tan and, uh, you know, having, you know, a book deal or something like that. That's kind of what's my mind. That's what I was going to do. And uh, I came back 15 pound heavier. I did. It was awesome. I came back a little tan. I came back without any books written or anything like that. But I came back refreshed. I came back discovering unexpected sanctuary that exists still today. And it's been an amazing thing. And I invite you to go to those same sanctuaries that God has provided for you. So how do you do that? Well, here's something that you can do is you can find rest in the sanctuary of sleep. It's okay to sleep. It's part of the rhythm of life. I know the world says it's not supposed to do it. Get your sleep. I, I know how hard that is. Since I've been back, it's like been swimming through an avalanche. But I've been carving out my time to make sure I get my sleep at night, as painful as that is for me. But look how awake I am today. I, right? Isn't that great? Rest in the sanctuary of Sabbath. I work on Sundays, so I have to like find a, a Sabbath and to not schedule things on it. I know how hard that is. But I'm putting my, my big things in my schedule first. And Sabbath is there. And me and my family, we're, we're, we're taking time. And Sabbath for us also means no social media because we discovered how amazing it was not to have any pings or dings or look up anything on, online. Set some time aside. Worship the Lord and go rest and play. Do, I know it's going to take surgery in your schedule to make it happen. But I encourage you to make it happen. And lastly, rest in the sanctuary of your Savior. You're not alone. It's not all up to you. Remember that. That's why that memory verse. And you know what? Our God will bring you refreshing. What a good thing. All right, so here's some challenges I have for you and your connection cards. If you take those out, the first one is for if you are not in Christ, you've never had that wonderful opportunity of having him, accepting him as Lord and Savior, you know that you, if you're tired and exhausted, there is rest for you. God loves you. He died for you. He, he, he paid the price for your sins. He, he doesn't just keep you with qualifiers. He says, come to me in faith and I will save you. 
And if you would like that or learn more about it, on the back side of your connection card right here, it says, I would like more information about starting a relationship with Jesus. This doesn't make you a Christian. It makes you curious about what does it mean to be a Christian. That's what it does. And if you give me your information, what I will do is I will contact you this week, and we're going to get together. We're going to talk. We'll discuss your doubts. We'll discuss what does it mean to follow Christ. We'll talk about how do you follow him. What does it mean to come to him in faith. We'll help you take those steps of faith when and if you're ready. So if that's you, that's what I would like you to do. If, for those of us who are in Christ, here are some things I'm going to challenge you to do. On the other side, here's this. Memorize Matthew 11:28. Remember that we have a God who says, come to me all weary and burdened. Right? Let that be part of, of your very heart and your life. Or how about this? You also might want to read Matthew 6. Why? Well, read it and you'll find out. The first half has nothing to do with what I talked about today. The second half you'll see. But the first half is good too, so just read it. Good stuff. Or how about this? Maybe what you need to do is confess your burdens to Christ. Go to that sanctuary of the Spirit. This might be the invitation that you've been needing. Go to God. Bring your anxiety to Him. He's not going to chastise you. He's going to give you rest, so go to him this week. I'm going to take some time. I'm going to do that. Now, the last one here, I know it's going to be hard, but I encourage you to do it. Keep your Sabbath holy. Take some time. Look at your schedule. Put in the most important things first. Set aside say, we're going to start keeping a Sabbath. And I tell you, it's not going to be perfect at first. It's like learning to ride a bike or anything else. It's going to, you're not going to do it perfect. That's fine. Just keep at it. But say, we're going to start by keeping this place, this time holy. And uh, if you have any of those, we'll be praying for you this week, supporting you in that. If you have another commitment you want to make, write that down. Um, if you have a prayer request, one thing I did do for you guys while I was gone is I did pray for you because I love you all very much and it was a great choice. I hope that's okay. But uh, now that I'm back, I'm definitely also going to be praying for you very specifically. So if you let me know how to, that's really helpful. Uh, that'd be great. Here in a minute, we're going to take our offering. As we take our offering, I encourage you guys to also take this connection card, please, everybody, and put it into the offering basket. And uh, we would sure appreciate that. Before we do, let's pray for our offering and for our commitments, and then we'll finish with some worship. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for being who you are, a God of truth, a God of light, but also a God of rest. You are not like Pharaoh. That you didn't just come and just uh, cause us to just work until we drop dead. That you are a great God. And that you said what your kingdom is, that there's going to be a peace and a refreshing, that your people would be a refreshed people. So, Father God, I pray that you would bless this congregation and that you would place you refreshing over this congregation. Lord, there are many here that are tired and exhausted and burdened and weary. And, Lord, I pray that you give us the courage and the faithfulness to come to you and to receive that rest that only Christ can bring. Lord, I pray that you'd also give us the courage and the ability to, to, to keep your Sabbath and to remember to, to go to bed and to enjoy the rest that you give and, the, and that wonderful trust that we have in you to keep us while we rest. Father, that you would help us to, to, uh, to keep our Sabbaths, Father, but also to keep you in, in, in our heart and our mind, Father, that we would be a people that is not just worked in this world, but, Father, that is also loved. Refresh us through your Holy Spirit and Father God, I pray for our commitments that we're making. Help us to keep them, not out of law, but out of love. Lord, I pray that you would help change us, shape us until your image become more and more like Christ in our actions and attitudes as we follow you in the wisdom of your ways. Father, I also pray for our tithes and our offerings. Bless them, Father, for they are a, 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 a statement that we need you and we're committed to your kingdom. So, Father, bless that by building your kingdom in our lives and in this church and in this community and in this world. We ask in Christ's powerful name. Amen.